Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners. This season, we're pleased to partner with Athabasca University as we take our show production fully online. Athabasca University is celebrating 50 years as Canada's online university. On this show, we talk with midlife learners about their educational journeys, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. After retiring from a very full work life that included time spent in retail, manufacturing, and construction, Alan Reed decided it was time to return to school to pursue a bachelor's degree in English. However, he had to first convince his husband that this was a good idea because they were set to travel the world together and it wasn't clear how a post-secondary education was going to mesh with those plans. But he found a way to make it work and we're going to learn how he managed his journey back to school as well as retirement plans for travel. Welcome, Alan. Hello. So nice to connect with you. Now, before we dive into talking about your back to school journey, I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about your life right after high school. Can you tell me a bit about your 20-year-old self and why you decided not to pursue post-secondary studies at that time? Well, my 20-year-old self was uh, living in Edmonton, and um, I had, uh, okay, let's let's start start that again. Let's go back to my 18-year-old self, just graduated out of high school, and uh, not great grades. not a wealthy family, and uh, no idea what I actually wanted to do with my life. And so uh, university just wasn't uh, really in the cards. Uh, I ended up going to work instead. Interesting. Hey, I didn't know you had an Edmonton uh, connection. So you you were (laughs) actually in Edmonton in your 20s? I moved to Edmonton when I was 19 years old um, because at the time, uh, finding a job was near impossible in Vancouver. I had uh, I had a good job, uh, well, for a you know a laborer's job working in a, a factory that uh, manufactured plastic bottles for a great beverage company. Um, but it was an old factory. It was paying me twelve dollars an hour back then, which was amazing. And uh, it was, but the factory was old, and it wasn't producing enough uh, volume for the for great beverage, and so they shut it down, laid everybody off, mm. and. Uh, and uh, over the next six months, despite uh, a lot of effort, uh, I couldn't find a job. And a friend of mine who had moved to Edmonton to, uh, to take a job with his uh, brother-in-law uh, called me up and said, hey, there's lots of work here. So I, uh, so I jumped in a van and away I went. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. It's interesting when you talk to people and you, and you recognize like so many people do have an Edmonton connection, uh, mm-hmm. even if they're no longer here. Um, so, so all that was going on in your 20s, but let's fast forward a couple of decades. You managed to retire in your early 40s, which I think is amazing. And I think many people would be envious of that fact. Um, and your husband says, hey, let's hit the road and travel. But you really want to go back to school. What was driving you at this point to say this is the time to pursue an education? Well, first off, I didn't feel like I was ready to retire. Uh, my, fa- my husband is uh, 20 years older than me, so he was at that age um, where, he, where retirement was very much on his mind. And uh, his dream had always been um, to retire. He wanted, I mean, his, uh, his goal was to earn enough money in his working career that he would be able to retire early and, uh, and go out and see the world while he had the, the, you know, the health and the body strength and everything else right. to do that. 
So, um, so when I when I was you know twenty years younger, right when I should have been in the middle of a career, uh, and I was uh, asked to retire, I was uh, very uncomfortable with that. And uh, so anyway, it was uh, it was a bit of a contentious issue with us for a long time. Um, but uh, I wanted to, uh, but it seemed the perfect time for me to jump into my uh, dream of going to university. I mean, I've always wanted to. Um, and so uh, it, it took a bit. <laughs> it took a bit of convincing. <laughs> and how, tell me about that convincing. And how exactly did you convince your husband that this was the right time for you to go back to school? Uh, the problem, of course, the problem was, is that uh, we, had, we could travel and for me to be in class mm. uh, uh, would conflict. And which is why, you know, it would conflict. Um, which is why he wanted me to retire, too, at the same time he did, because he didn't want my job to be interfering with his um, travel. Right. Um, so, uh, so the same thing works with a, with a university class. Um, so uh, we had the, a friend of ours uh, came to, was visiting one time and, 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 and mentioned, well, why don't you take your classes at Athabasca University? Because then you don't actually have to go to class. It's all distance learning. You can learn wherever you, wherever you happen to be. And so, uh, uh, that that seemed like a very good idea to me, and uh, and between the two of us, uh, our friend and uh, and myself, uh, we were able to uh, convince Dennis that that was a, a good idea. Fantastic! So yes, this online component became very important. Um, it sounds like in in your um, abilities to go back to school and and to to convince your um, your husband that it was the right time and it wasn't going to interfere with some of the other goals that um, he had in mind. Now you exactly. said this friend told you about Athabasca University. Was that the first time that you heard about Athabasca U or, or were you familiar with them before that at all? I was familiar with them. Uh, Athab- I used to have a my, my husband and I used to have a little um, uh, cottage up uh, near Athabasca. so we knew about uh, about the university. And uh, I also knew, knew that they were a distance learning um, uh, uh, university, but I didn't really uh, know what that means. I mean, uh, I remember growing up and we had, had those, uh, you know, get in the mail, those courses for career, the career planning. I can't remember the name of the place, ICS or whatever school. And you would get these things like monthly. You could sign up for this course, you know, would teach you how to fix cars from the comfort of your living room. And, and um, I always thought they were kind of uh, you know, bogus, right? How do you learn how to fix a car? <laughs> in the middle of your living room, you know. So in, it, it just they were they were they, I just thought they were they were uh, a fraud, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just didn't have a lot of uh, confidence in the idea of, of distance learning at the time. A friend uh, who is who is an educator uh, was like, no, 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 no. These are this these are this is the proper university. This is you know good courses. Yeah, you can trust this. Interesting. So you've you've done a, a one eighty on this whole distance learning thing, obviously. Um, well, I did some of my own investigation as well. I mean, after I talked to her, I went onto their website and I, and I, I looked at the course schedule and I, I saw that they were set up as a proper university and, and, uh, and saw some of the read, read a whole bunch of what they, how they function and, and all that sort of stuff before I, uh, before I went in. And tell me a bit about your experience as a distance learner. Um, did you follow some kind of routine or, or how did you manage your schoolwork, especially since you had other um, pursuits such as travel on the go? Um, that, was, that was really difficult. Um, the, the first thing, the first thing of the first year, 
um, I had been out of school for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And so the first, uh, the first year I realized that all the skills and, and habits that I had, for lear- had developed for learning when I was a child and in my, through my teens, which I took for granted, because that's all I knew, right? Um, uh, I didn't have them anymore, or at least they were really rusty. So the first year was, was uh, uh, a big part of that component was relearning how to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah. was so that added that was stress, and then there was the idea of of, uh, of uh, you know when you when you're in school, um, there's a structure to school, but when you're learning distance learning, there's no structure, so you have to create the structure, and of course there's lots of of uh, calls to go in different directions. So you know someone's like, well, we're you know we're going to have a meet for lunch. You know my husband says we're going to meet so-and-so for lunch today I'm, well i'm supposed to be studying you know like you know or, or we're gonna go do this or, or or somebody wants this or you know something has to happen <laughs> the laundry needs to be done there's all these distractions right. and and so actually um that, the other part of the first year was really uh trying to carve out uh, uh a structure to my learning that was not too rigid because i didn't want to be completely uh, 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 say you know, I, I, I didn't want. I wanted to be able to be somewhat flexible to take advantage of opportunities that came along. Um, plus, if we were going to travel, uh, travel is uh, definitely not conducive to a very uh, rigid structure. So, how did you how did you create that balance for yourself? Because it sounds like it sounds like you're saying it wasn't like you set aside every day from nine to noon to do your studies. You didn't. You weren't that rigid because you wanted to have some flexibility. Yet at the same time, you needed structure. So, so what it what did it look like for you? Was it in, uh, contextual to each course, or how did you navigate that? Uh, we eventually worked out a deal where. Uh, for the most part, I was available in the evenings. Like I would quit study for dinner, and uh, and which was a little bit before dinner because I would have to help out with prepare, uh, was preparing and setting up. But um, basically, like dinner was was after dinner, I was free right, to do to, to to do whatever. So all I could do as much socializing as as I wanted after dinner. And so then the earlier in the day, if, if something really important or really interesting uh, required my attention, then I could, that, that would be an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that would, and, and then I would, you know, and that, and that's how I did it. And, uh, and my husband got slowly got used to the idea. And, uh, and, and what he tended to do is, is um, he would tend to disappear during the day. Mm. He would often just go, go for a walk or go visit with people or, or go and do something away from the house, uh, which is not that he was never around, but, but he would tend to try to do that during the day so that he would give me as much space as I needed so that I could uh, get some work done. That makes sense. So you were kind of able to treat it a little bit like a job and, and have some parameters around it, but still also maintain you know some flexibility just in case something really, really cool came up that you, uh, you needed to be a part of. Um, and I also want to share with you, I completely relate to what you're saying about being rusty. And and for myself, I was out of school for over two decades as well uh, before I went back. And so I, I really relate to what you're saying about relearning how to learn and how intimidating that process can be at first. 
um, when you get, you know, the first set of course materials and realize, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you're under the stress of having to complete the course within a six-month period. Yeah. And it's not just one course, because, I, you know, my, my, my degree was required, I think, 42 courses. Mm. So I, I couldn't take them one at a time. I I'd, I'd, would have been 20 years working at them. <laughs> um, so I had to take, you know, I was taking four at a time. And uh, when you have, you have six months to finish four courses, and, and uh, they're not, you know, they're university-level courses. There's to take some, some, some yeah. research, and there's the assignments. There's all kinds of stuff that needs to be done. And trying to learn, and trying yeah. learn how to learn, and trying how to uh, fix your schedule. Uh, it was a very stressful first year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that that does sound super intense and um, and stressful. Um, I want to dig into a bit uh, more about the program. Now, you mentioned in your guest questionnaire that you'd only ever met one of your instructors. Now, what about the other people in your courses um, or your program? Did you have classmates um, that you were learning with or were things a little bit more individual? Did you connect with any of those people? The coursework was almost entirely individual. Um, there was a couple of courses, uh, mostly uh, writing courses, in which I was required to participate in uh, kind of these kind of chat groups, kind of like an old BBS, if you remember those from the back in the 80s before before the internet, uh, before the web, <laughs> um, where where you you post, you, you, I would have to post an article, uh, an uh, assignment, and then the uh, and then the other students that were in my BBS would read that assignment and then they would, they would post uh, uh, critique of the assignment. And then of course I was supposed to read their assignments and post a critique of their assignments. Um, and, and, and that's it. We didn't really talk amongst ourselves so much. We, there was no, we didn't have any way to talk. Uh, we didn't know each other's uh, phone numbers or anything. The only way we could do it was chat within the uh, BBS. And it was just about, you know, you got an you got a critique back, and you'd thank the person for doing the critique. That's about it. So you didn't really get to know any of the other students. Wow! Um, so you were no. really on your own. This was like really you individually. It's absolutely, entirely wow. me. Wow! Yeah. So, so how did you stay motivated? I'm I'm curious about that because I I really found I had to lean into the people uh, that I was learning with, and I was in a cohort model, so um, the same group of people progressed together through all the courses. Um, but being on your own, that's a whole different thing. I mean, how did you how did you keep yourself motivated to keep going? Well, first off, I wanted to finish. <laughs> Actually, I think that's the major major piece of motivation. I wanted to. I, I was there. There was no way I was going to be spending all this money to uh, to take these uh, these courses and uh, and putting all this time and effort into it and not finish. Mm. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the the, stru- the the structure that I did manage helped, you know, having those that that uh, specific time for studying. Um, Sounds like you have a lot uh, of willpower, Alan. You were yeah, very I, determined. I, I I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> people have said that. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I I maybe not so much that way. So I I find it inspiring to talk with someone who had that much um, willpower and and individual motivation. Um, now, you mentioned to me that you were majoring in English. Um, tell us a bit more about some of the courses that you took and what were the highlights of your program? Well, I took, I, I, I debated between philosophy and English and, um, 
ended up taking English because uh, the when I looked through the calendar of, of uh, the university calendar of what you know courses are available for for each program, it just seemed a, a broader horizon of knowledge uh, required for English. Um, so I had to take you know, you know uh, sociology, anthropology, uh, history, literature. Um, like uh, there was history, there was this. Uh, including a science and a business course, there was all this um, this broad range that I had to do. So that that intrigued me, and um, and uh, I mean for highlights, wow! I mean, uh, I love the Shakespearean courses. Absolutely love those. Of course, my my main uh, I, I was I was never a great fan of all the all the essays that I had to do, um, mostly because they were analytical, and I was taking these courses because I I wanted to be more uh, creative. Um, I was I was more of aimed at writing than at uh, uh, writing like fiction and, and stuff like that than I was at, uh, at becoming a researcher. Um, but uh, so the the writing courses where I got to uh, to tap into my creativity were, uh, were definite highlights. Uh, I would love those ones. Amazing! It sounds like such an incredible um, breadth of courses that you were able to to take. And um, and just be able to really kind of immerse yourself in that full experience. That sounds wonderful. Um, now you started your back to school journey um, in 2009. You finished in 2019. Um, we talked a bit about um, motivation and and how you just had sort of this um, determination and drive to keep going. But that's a really long time to keep things going. And and you mentioned earlier about um, your husband and wanting to travel. Um, I imagine you had other family commitments. So can you kind of paint a picture of the work-life balance um, piece over that decade? What did that look like for you? Well, being retired, I didn't, I, I didn't have to do work, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, I, I, uh, like I already described the, 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 the kind of the balance in the, in the life in terms of, of uh, uh, you know, basically working during the day and having the evenings off, and having having and but being flexible enough to take advantage of things. Uh, mostly, what we didn't I didn't mention was was the travel. Uh, uh, travel was a, a very different um, part of it, and we did a lot of traveling. I've seen large parts of the world uh, while I was studying, but uh, uh, I had to. You know, I was carrying books with me. Um, uh, sometimes for four courses at a time, uh, which could be heavy. <laughs> but there <laughs> like was like other a whole other suitcase for your books. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had uh, what the the thing was is uh, I, I I give you an example of how we worked that out. Um, I we were on a, a cruise, a river cruise from uh, Siem Reap in in uh, in um, Cambodia uh, down to uh, Ho Chi Minh or Saigon in uh, Vietnam, and so what the cruise. Uh, the plan on the cruise was that uh, every day they, there would be two excursions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. So I would see what the excursion was that day. There's what, what ones were planned that day. I would choose one and I would go on that one. And then for the, well, while the rest of the boat was off on the second one, I had the entire boat to myself. Um, and I would go and find a, maybe a place up on the deck where it was sunny and sit there and, and uh, enjoy some nice weather while I was uh, studying or I would be in the room or I would be in you know sit at, sit at a table in the in the lounge area or whatever I would find a comfortable place and I would sit and study while everybody else was off the boat and uh, and so that was and that's kind of the way I did my uh, um, 
my studies. Same thing in, in, in cruise ships. I remember if I was on a cruise ship, I, like in the middle of the ocean, I would study for the day and pop out for dinner and, 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 and that kind of thing. That sounds amazing. And first of all, like I can really see the amount of willpower that you must have personally to be able to kind of forego some of those excursions <laughs> or being in someplace really new and exciting. Um, and secondly, I would say um, your experience sounds like a kind of a poster for um, how to, you know, balance education and uh, and retirement and travel. Like it just sounds pretty idyllic to me. Mm. <laughs> uh, we're lucky. I'm I'm very lucky that uh, that we had uh, uh, my, my husband and I were. I mean, it was his business. I I, I certainly helped out a lot, and uh, it was uh, we it, we did well with it. So yeah, so it gave us the ability to afford for me to have this vacation uh, and to be not working. Sounds amazing. To travel. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, you brought up um, something really interesting earlier about uh, the bulletin board service technologies sure. <laughs> back in the 80s. And I want to talk about technology. Um, you know, there's been a lot of technological change in terms of how um, distance learning, now we call it online learning, um, has been delivered. And um, you also shared with me in your questionnaire that, you know, things were a lot more textbook based in the beginning, and then they kind of evolved into this online piece. And there, then there was some group chats and that sort of thing um, as the technology evolved. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, technology as it pertains to learning. Did it make a difference in delivering the program? Um, did it make things easier, better? Um, was there no difference? What, how would you characterize technology as it related to your back-to-school journey? Uh, when, at the beginning of the, my coursework, uh, um, there was, I mean, it, it was, there, was, there was no way that, that uh, Athabasca was offering online learning. Not, not that I experienced. It was, it, the, only thing, the only online component of it was, uh, was that I would send in my, assignments by email to my tutor um, and the tutor would then send back the marked um, uh, assignment by email uh, to you know to me uh, I, I that's not really online learning uh, <laughs> the um, it was all textbooks it was all paper and hardcover and the whole bit you know and um, the, uh, the only other thing and you know of course I was writing t typing everything out on my computer but again it's not online the only online component, if you had one, was was those BBS type chat room exchanges that I had with uh, with students. Uh, and then, the, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Okay, as the uh, as the things as the time went by, they started to uh, to do a little better. So, for, for instance, the uh, in, in my, the psychology department, oddly or not, was the uh, was seemed to be the most advanced. Um, uh, they, uh, I had uh, online uh, quizzes that I had to take regularly, uh, and uh, and uh, they were the first ones to come out. That department was the first ones to come out with actually an online textbook. So so suddenly I didn't have to carry the textbook around. It was in my computer. Hmm. Um, and then and with that online textbook, uh, I had. Uh, it, being in electric digital format, I could do a, a number of things that I couldn't before. Like first, there was uh, there was options for me to do go in more in depth. They had links to let me go more in depth on on certain target plan uh, topics. There was uh, opportunities for uh, they, they had 
uh, study study exam uh, uh, exams practice exams just to say that I that I could take to to, to see if I you know to, if I rate myself to see how well I knew I knew the the content. Uh, there was uh, I, I mean I could it became easy to look up a word, uh, some, uh, anything that I didn't uh, understand very quickly uh, through the uh, through the system. So it made it uh, much nicer uh, than the textbook in that way. That's really, that's so interesting. Um, and just hearing you kind of talk through the evolution of, of some of these technologies and, and also what is online learning and what do people consider online learning? And I can share that, you know, in my experience, some people say it's online and it, literally it's a photocopy, a really bad photocopy of a mm. PDF from a book that right. just happens to be posted in a, no. in a, in a forum and, and that's online. Um, however, um, and I actually took an Athabasca course um, earlier this year through their PowerEd series and that was a really powerful platform where everything was truly online and there were quizzes and and some of what you just um, described at the latter part of your journey in in psychology, I experienced that um, in, in my interaction with uh, with Athabasca. So super interesting, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You also um, you shared a bit about uh, some of the things that you loved about uh, online learning or that you thought were useful. What were the things that you found challenging about online learning, and how did you overcome those areas? Uh, the the challenging part. You touched on it was was motivation and and dedication. I mean, there are so many other things around me that I needed to do, or wanted to do, or you know, and uh, so that was that was always challenging. And one of the things I always um, felt was that if I were in a classroom situation where I had other students around me, um, I think that motivation would have been easier. Uh, where you have a teach, teach a professor in front of you who's you know uh, you get I think that would have made motivation easier. Um, I also found thought that it was all on me. I mean, here is this textbook. I had to read the textbook. I had to make sure that I was diligent about reading that textbook and 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 doing whatever I had to do. I had to be super diligent on my own because there was there was nobody around me. Who is, going to, who is going to put their hand up and ask a question that I hadn't thought about, um, you know, and, and then therefore let me hear the answer, um, you know, and, and, and that, so, uh, and there was no, there was no going out for coffee after class and discussing what the lecture was that day, and there was no getting together with my classmates to, a group of classmates to study for, uh, for, for an exam or to, or to work together on, on this, um, uh, assignment that we had to do, I, I didn't have any of that, so there was there was all on me, and uh, so that was that was uh, uh, very challenging. Do you think that there are ways now that the technology it has advanced a little bit, and we we also have other means of connecting like Facebook. And for example, in my cohort, we started a Facebook Messenger sidebar chat where we were able to connect and post questions and and. Um, and know that other people were out there <laughs> and not feel so alone. Um, I'm wondering about that. Like, do you, do you see maybe other opportunities to kind of augment that uh, now that technology's evolved? Um, I mean, I think they, the, I like your idea of doing the side, the side cohort. That, that was never, 
uh, it was never done. It was never offered to me. If, if any of my other students were, you know, that I interacted with were doing that, I didn't know about it. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I had one class. Uh, it was a history class, and it actually had uh, a pre-recorded. It was a, a professor from uh, University of California, California, whatever. Uh, that was that had done an entire uh, course online. Like, like I, he recorded it, videotaped it. It had all kinds of graphics and 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 everything. It was really well done. And so it was like being at a lecture. Uh, it was actually like having your professor lecture to you, which which I found uh, I loved that. That was that that was excellent. Um, it, I've only had it for one course. That I would fantastic. love. Yeah. I would love to have had that for more courses, because if you want to have online, the whole point of online, for my, from my point of view, was was the flexibility to not be in class. So if, if I were, if I were told that I had to be, to attend a lecture at uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, well, uh, while I'm in a time zone that makes that uh, you know two o'clock in the morning, um, it's not conducive uh, to for me to be able to attend that lecture. But having that, those pre-recorded uh, lectures that I can, that, that, you know, that, that I can tune in, watch on my own time, yeah, uh, that uh, that would certainly be uh, helpful. More of those would be nice. Yeah, that sounds like a really good option, and and it makes a lot of sense. And I I know that that is part of the challenge in delivering online learning is just accounting for all the different time zones and all the different schedules, and so. Being able to make it asynchronous, but also make it engaging, um, seems like the the challenge for um, for online uh, post secondary uh, delivery. Um, I want to shift a bit into uh, your life now, uh, life after uh, the degree, and I want to talk about writing. Um, you mentioned in your guest questionnaire that you are a freelance writer with Monday Magazine. Um, can you tell us a bit about your life as a freelance writer and how your education <laughs> contributed to landing that role? Um, I, I was doing uh, uh, TripAdvisor um, posts uh, mostly because I, you know, I travel a lot and I would do that, and I was doing them um, mostly because I w- it was I saw it as as writing practice, a little bit of little bit of writing practice. Don't take long. I'm not talking about long, you know. They're only paragraph or whatever maximum, so I could whip these off pretty quickly, and it was just a little bit of practice. And I was doing those, and uh, I live in a condo uh, complex, and the condo complex, fairly good size one, and the condo complex has a, a newsletter, and uh, the fellow uh, in the building who uh, who puts out that newsletter uh, read some of my TripAdvisor posts and said, "Would you like to contribute?" Uh, a restaurant review to our newsletter and the idea was he wanted to put more content into it not just messages about people not you know not waiting at the garage door before it closed or or the fact that the windows were going to be cleaned uh, next week or, or whatever so uh so i so i said sure so i so i started doing this once a month because that's how often it comes out once a month uh, restaurant review um and so i and uh and uh, another person who lives in the building is uh, happens to be group editor, or, no, yeah, group editor for uh, Black Press, uh, which uh, runs Monday Magazine. And uh, so she read my uh, some of my reviews, and she liked, and she said she liked my voice, 
um, in those reviews. She thought it would then. And so she asked me if I would uh, put one into, uh, into, uh, into Monday Magazine. And, and uh, I actually got paid for those ones. And so, she, so I'm like, sure, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and so it's on that, but still, Monday Magazine is once a month. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I only write one, well, two articles a month, one for the, for the newsletter and one for Monday Magazine. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, it's, it's more of a hobby. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's amazing. And you're getting paid. So, I mean, I consider bit, that yeah. professional. And, yeah. um, and it's amazing it's that you're, money. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're able to write about things that you're passionate about. So that's fantastic. And I understand you're also writing a novel. Um, is that something that you started as part of your educational journey or, or how did that come about? I was, uh, I was writing before I started uh, university. Um, I was, uh, I've always been an avid reader. Um, and I, I've always felt that I knew the difference between a good book and a great book. Uh, and, um, so of course I, I could, if you know the difference, then you can write the difference. It seemed logical until I tried it. Uh, the uh, the uh, I, I quickly uh, realized that uh, what I was uh, writing was uh, not of the quantity quality that I wanted. And when that was my inspiration, a big part of my inspiration to to, to do the English class and, and go that route, um, I had been working on a novel that is uh, shelved at the moment. Um, but uh, and and my my goal was to finish the course of work and then go back to that novel. Uh, instead, what happened is my very last class, my very last course, I should say, was uh, was a project in in creative writing. I had to produce three or four chapters of a of a proposed novel, uh, and of course I couldn't go back to the one I I had started, and I wouldn't want to because it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, I, I had, to, you know, I started, that's what I did. I did these, I started this, uh, these, um, did this chapter as well. And I've, I've con after the course was finished, I, I have uh, continued to work on that novel. Um, and it has uh, evolved considerably uh, since then. And so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm working on. Are you willing to share a little bit about what, what's the novel about? Well, this novel is, uh, it's set in the near future. It's, uh, I'll call it a mildly dystopian novel, not that it ends in, in, in terribly, but um, it's, uh, it, it's looking at, uh, it's looking at the, the, the world uh, in a more advanced stage of, of uh, climate change uh, and the ecological degradation. Um, and it's I, I'm, I'm focusing on a what I'll call a a average global family. Uh, so the the main characters are this kind of average global family. They're not kings. They're not high powered lawyers. They're not you know I, I, that, that most fiction is is focused on. It seems to be focused on these people who are in some way extraordinary. And these one people are absolutely not extraordinary, uh, but they're 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 caught up in this world that is changing around them in ways that they cannot control. You know, they cannot control the way the climate is changing. They cannot control the political and the economic and the, uh, the, uh, the cultural and, and, and so forth changes that are happening around them. Um, and, uh, and they're, and, and the, so the world is very much changing them uh, against their will sort of thing. And they just have to deal with it. Um, 
and uh, it's a bit of an uh, uh, an Odyssey style uh, of a of a book. And uh, anyway, I, that's what I'm working on. I'm hoping it uh, will turn out very wow. well. Alan, you've just described life in 2020. <laughs> 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 I mean, um, yeah. average people. Uh, mm. slightly dystopian scenario and a mm. whole lot of lack of control about what's going on. I think many yeah. people are going to be interested to read your work. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, what has been the most positive thing for you about this whole experience of going back to school? Re really, the, what, what I expected at the very beginning. Um, the reason I went to, I, w I went with the English degree was to, to, broaden my uh, knowledge horizon. Um, so uh, I've always been really interested in things like, you know, um, uh, how does the world work? How do people function? How things, you know, those kinds of, how does, how does life happen? Uh, not in the, not in the bio, um, uh, you know, type of way, but in the, in the, and just in the way that we live our lives. You know, uh, how does all this function? And and so, the coursework that I took through the uh, through, through the English it, it it just tied a lot of stuff together, and I, I you know I've I've got a much better understanding of how things happen and and work in the world, and that's and that is uh, hopefully showing up in my writing, which was the point, and yeah. and it, so I can be much more broad-minded, uh, not 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 focused. We see a lot of that in the world right now. People focused on their particular perspective and their and not being willing to to look beyond their perspective. Um, and uh, I wanted the antithesis of that. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that. And I, I really relate to that too. I'm wondering, uh, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon, but I'm wondering about, um, was there anything surprising about this journey um, that you want to share? Oh, surprising. Um, you know, I think the the most surprising. I, I mean, I think I've already I already mentioned the, the most surprising thing was was the, the the needing to learn how to learn again. Mm. Um, that that was that was I did not expect that. I expected that I would just jump back into classes and away I would go and and uh, you know I didn't expect it to be easy, but uh, I certainly didn't expect that level of stress uh in the first year i mean i was i was almost to the point of saying i can't do this you know mm -hmm. this is this is too much um but i pushed through and then the second year wasn't uh, well it was still difficult it was always difficult but it was never uh, uh i managed and so yeah. uh, that was uh, that was probably the most <laughs> surprising thing <laughs> and the last question is very open-ended is there anything else that you want to share or any words of wisdom that you might have for uh, anyone contemplating this back to school journey at midlife yeah i mean i would i would say that i had it told to me a, a lot by uh, people that, who were educators um and not my tutors but other people i know who are in education and they all kind of agree that um going the distance learning route is uh, much more challenging um than going by the classroom route uh and that uh, it really does take um, a lot of motivation, a lot of dedication, um, um, this stick-to-it attitude. You really have to be independent, and uh, uh, it's harder. And so 
uh, I would think that, you know, there, there's a lot of good reasons, the flexibility being a big one for uh, doing it this way. I can see somebody in a, in a job, and, you know, they want to work and go to school at the same time. I can't imagine doing that, but, but, fun, but I, I know a lot of people do. Um, uh, you're, you, I mean, you can't, you, that's, that, this is the way to do it. But if you can, if, but if somebody has to, uh, if you have the opportunity to take the classroom route, I mean, that would be, I think that would be, if I do this again, if I go for a master's degree, I may decide to do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, on that note, um, I'd like to say thank you so much for making the time to speak with me and to share your story. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. It's hard for me to imagine having the level of discipline that Alan did to be so dedicated to a degree that you'd forgo an excursion in an exciting new country in order to stay on board a cruise ship and diligently read your textbook and complete your homework. That to me is the definition of willpower. I love how Alan found a way to pursue his educational dream while also making it work for his husband. One thing that I found in talking with many midlife learners is the importance of finding a way to make the back-to-school journey fit within the family dynamic. If you want to be successful, it helps to find that balance with the significant others in your life. Alan started his back-to-school journey way back in 2009, before we had so many of the online learning tools we have now. In thinking about my own experience with Athabasca University, in particular their power at offering, I think the internet toolset has really opened up so many exciting new possibilities for educational content delivery. In other words, it's a great time to be an online learner. Lastly, doesn't Alan's novel sound super interesting and oddly reminiscent of these times we find ourselves in? I for one can't wait to see how that next part of his story plays out. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Athabasca University, for generously supporting the show. You can find out more about their many educational offerings at athabascau.ca. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded on Treaty 6 territory the traditional homelands of First Nations and Métis people. Special thanks to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time. <laughs>